everybody. Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. Uh, I've got a news show for you this week. Got some things I need to catch you up on. We're going to talk a little bit about two uh, data breaches. Another week, another breach. In this case, a <laughs> they're calling it a multi-breach. Uh, so we'll talk about a couple different breaches that have happened since we last talked. Uh, I want to catch you up on what happened with Facebook and their testimony before Congress and some, of my, some more takeaways on all of that. And uh, finally, we're going to talk uh, the tip of the week, and we're going to wrap up with a story about net neutrality. It's not quite dead, but it's getting close, and uh, we need your help. So let's uh, let's start off with a couple of, the, <laughs> couple of this week's data breaches. It's, every week, there's, there's a new one. Um, uh, Sears, Kmart, and Delta, um, who all happen to be using the same chat service provider, which uh, I'm guessing what this is, is you may have seen this when you go on websites and you're looking for support on an issue. There's a little button or a little window sometimes that pops up and say, hey, would you like to chat? You know, and you need support. And uh, my guess is it's one of those kind of services. And of course, you know, it doesn't make sense for Sears and Kmart and Delta to all roll their own services. So there are companies out there that provide that kind of service and, and, uh, and these other companies buy into that and they integrate that with their website. Well, that's got pros and cons. So uh, when you do that, that means that, you know, if there's, a, if there's a problem, if there's a bug in the shared service, then it's not just one website that is vulnerable. It's every other website that uses that same service. And that is exactly apparently what happened here. Also breached uh, in a similar way was MyFitnessPal, uh, an extremely popular app. And it's, while it sounds like only maybe 100,000 or Hundreds of thousands of users for Kmart and Sears and Delta may have been affected. Um, for my fitness pal, it was up to 150 million. So in both these cases, um, the passwords were surely hashed. And, and, and what that means, and I'll tell you just a second. So this common chat service, which I'd never heard of before, called 247.ai. Um, and apparently this breach, this, this bug in their software that allowed bad guys, if they knew what they were doing to uh, extract customer information happened between September and October of last year. But it sounds like the company didn't make um, its clients, that being Kmart, Delta, uh, and Sears, and there are probably others, uh, aware of this until just recently. So it it's hard to tell so far how many people are affected. I think uh, Kmart and Sears said up to 100,000 of their customers were affected. I didn't see that Delta said how many people. Um, but honestly, I didn't dig too deeply into it because the remedy for these things is the same in every case. So it, what they said they were able to get is names, email addresses, and and passwords. Now, again, we've talked about this before, but let me be clear. So when they get the passwords, they're not really getting the raw, plain, readable passwords. Because if unless these people are doing things horribly, horribly wrong, that is not how things are done. That's not how these things are saved. The way we do these things is we use a really cool cryptographic function called a hash, and that's a one-way function, meaning that you can go in, you can go from um, input to output, but you can't go from that output back to the input very easily, which is the whole point. So when you enter your password on a website, you you type in your password, and what it does is it hashes the password, which is takes this really cool cryptographic function and turns your password into something else entirely. And it looks like pure gibberish. And if you if you have the output, it's really hard to get back to the input if it's done properly. So the good news is with this breach is apparently these guys were using um, proper hashing techniques and a good hashing mechanism called bcrypt. Uh, that means that the passwords that they got their hands on were seriously, seriously mangled. 
Um, and it was, it's, you know, it will take them a really good amount of time to crack those passwords. So, uh, that's a good, that's a good thing in this case. And that's the way it really should be. These passwords, if you're, if you're going to bother to store these things, you really need to store them securely. So, and not all websites do that is for sure. But in this case, it looks like, um, this information was pretty well, pretty well locked down. So even though the bad guys have this information at this point, the, the main things they've got a hold of are your name and your email address, which, you know, maybe they'll sell those to spammers and you'll get some more spam mail. Um, but, uh, the passwords are, are going to be hard to crack unless they're really, really poor passwords. But nevertheless, as with any of these kind of breaches, whenever these things happen, the remedy is still the same. So anywhere you use that password, you need to change. So hopefully that's only one place. So uh, make sure you go and you just change your password. And if for some reason you use that password in other websites as well, you need to go change the password on those sites too. So I'll bring up what I always bring up when this thing comes up, and that is you should never, ever reuse a password, Um, at least not for anything that's remotely important. And by important, I mean, obviously, things like financial and investment accounts, uh, any sort of legal accounts, um, but also social media and email accounts. Those are also extremely important. If if the bad guys get into those, they can get up to some serious mischief um, and really hurt you or the people that you know. So those are the key ones. Make sure at least for those important accounts, you're using a unique, strong, long password. And because that is really, really hard for a human brain to do, you need a password manager. So uh, I'll throw that tip out because I always do get yourself a password manager like LastPass. Is that, that's the one I use. Uh, there's plenty of others, though. There's one password spelled with the number one, one, the number one, and then the word password, uh, key pass, dash lane. Um, there are others. Find one you like and go with it. I like LastPass. Um, And LastPass will help you generate, store, and secure uh, your passwords. And it'll, you know, you you shouldn't know any of your passwords anymore, except for your one master password, which you have to open your vault with. Um, And then using LastPass or or whatever password manager you choose, generate your passwords. Make them crazy. Make them 20 characters long and full of gibberish. Um, That makes those things impossible to crack. So... Uh, and also allows you to use unique passwords for all the different sites. So you, you won't have to know all those things. Your password knows, your password manager knows those things and fills them all in for you. That is the way to go. One more thing is with as far as at least Delta and Sears go. Um, if you'd like to uh, get a little more information on that, they both have websites set up for this. You can go to delta.com slash response, all in lowercase. Uh, or you can go to searsholdings.com slash update. Um, also lowercase, and they've got more information for you there uh, that you can check out. All right, and now let's uh, catch up a little bit more with Facebook. Obviously, they've been in the news a lot lately, and for good reason. Uh, Last week, Congress called CEO Mark Zuckerberg on the carpet to grill him ostensibly and try to get some answers from him, though if you watched any of the testimony, it was honestly pretty lame, uh, unfortunately, but uh, a lot of our representatives apparently don't really know how the internet works, Uh, certainly not how Facebook works. So while, you know, it's always good to have accountability, I'm not sure that that's what we got last week with this testimony. In particular, there's a couple points I'd like to make. So I think they still basically all missed the point, the main point here. And the main point is not that Facebook overshared the data that it collects with Cambridge Analytica or whoever, the real problem 
is that we allowed that data to be collected in the first place. Facebook does not need all that data. Facebook is an advertising company. They can send you ads without knowing every little detail of your life. Now, certainly those ads will probably be less effective. You may see ads for things that you don't care to buy. But I would certainly be willing to trade that for them having this massively detailed dossier on me and selling that dossier to other people. Now, at this point, Facebook probably wants it all for themselves. But nevertheless, we've seen with the Cambridge Analytica story that if they're not careful, they can leak that data to other companies as well. And who knows what those, what those companies will do with it. In this case, they did something pretty nefarious. So what was missed and what was just kind of assumed with, with the testimony that I saw was that nobody questioned the fact that this data was collected in the first place. And even Facebook was all about, we're going to protect this data. Uh, we're going to make sure that we cut off all these other companies that try to abuse this data. Well, what about you abusing this data, Mr. Zuckerberg? They're missing the point. We, sh we should not be doing this in the first place. So anyway, so there's that. What you also need to realize is that just because they're trying to cut off some of these other people, that does not prevent Facebook from collecting and using this stuff for themselves. And once they have this data, even if they were perfect citizens and self-regulate and did everything they could to keep this data under wraps and not sell it to other parties, it's still sitting there waiting for hackers to find or to be demanded by law enforcement or intelligence agencies. So just the fact that it's collected and stored at all and kept basically forever is the problem. We've got to change these practices. We've got to change these policies. The other thing is, is we've seen this before. I mean, every time Facebook screws up like this, and this is certainly not the first time they've done this, though it's been probably one of the most publicized ones. Mark Zuckerberg comes out, trots out an apology, says we're going to make some changes. They tweak their privacy settings. They try to make things supposedly better. They point to that and say, see, we listened. We're doing better. We're just learning here. Nothing to see. Move along. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is behind the scenes, they're constantly gathering more info and finding ways to get more data. And you may recall, if you've been with Facebook for a long time, that uh, multiple times over the years, they introduce all these new features and then somehow magically change all your privacy settings to make things more public without asking. They got in big trouble with that a few years back. <laughs> so Facebook is a problem. And the other thing that didn't really come up, uh, I suppose, because they were talking to Facebook CEO is there are many other companies doing the exact same thing. And, and Google, for example, probably knows way more about you even than Facebook. And it's, it's just a ticking time bomb. This is not the last of these experiences, unfortunately. So I would urge every one of you to, to proactively, you know, delete data where you can. If Google and Facebook and some of these companies give you the option of reviewing your history and actually modifying it or deleting it, your data, do that where you can. And uh, like me, I actually deleted my Facebook accounts. I was done. Um, I, I've had it with Facebook. So granted, I didn't use them that much, so I didn't have as much to lose as I know a lot of you probably do. A lot of people are extremely invested in Facebook. Um, and the fact of the matter is they're, they're kind of a monopoly. I don't know that they got there through anti-competitive practices, but they are the de facto monopoly that if you want to keep in touch with people, you go to Facebook. That's where the people are. So... There's not a lot of choice. There's not a lot of alternatives. In fact, that is one question that one of the senators asked that I thought was interesting. 
basically try to get Facebook to to admit to being a monopoly. Of course, they wouldn't. Um, but the fact of the matter is there really isn't much else to go to. If you want to keep in touch with people, you go where the people already are, and that's Facebook. So that makes it hard. So if you can't delete Facebook, if you can't quit them entirely, then at least crank down your privacy settings. And um, if given the option, delete some of your historical data and hope that Facebook actually deletes it. Just to give you an idea of, of what I mean about Facebook kind of being two-faced on this, while this whole thing was going on in the Senate, there's there um, in the U.S. Senate, uh, in Illinois, there was a really good privacy bill passed called the Biometric Information Privacy Act, and that was a state law. Um, and it basically required companies to get opt-in consent for taking any sorts of biometric data. And where Facebook ran afoul of this is that they turned on the automatic face recognition on their photos, uh, which is to say that they used tagging information and other information to figure out which face in that picture was yours and started building up a facial profile on you so that they could recognize you in other pictures whether somebody tags you or not. And yeah, that's kind of creepy. Um, but obviously, again, Facebook wants to know as much about you as possible so that if they can find you in every photo that's ever been uploaded to Facebook, they can get a lot more info on you, even though somebody didn't purposefully tag you and say that person in that, in that photo is Carrie Parker. And let me, let me just read you from this article from The, from the Verge. For years, Facebook has been battling a lawsuit based on BIPA, which is the Biometric Information Privacy Act, which required explicit consent before companies could collect biometric data like fingerprints or facial recognition profiles. According to the plaintiffs, Facebook's photo tagging system violates that law, identifying faces in uploaded photos with no clear notice or consent. Facebook added a more explicit consent provision earlier this year, but the lawsuit has continued on the basis of earlier collection. This week's amendment would carve out significant new exceptions to the bill, allowing companies to collect biometric data without notice or consent as long as it's handled with the same protections as other sensitive data. Companies could also be exempted if they do not sell or otherwise profit from the data or if it is used only for employment purposes. So anyway, behind the scenes, Facebook has been battling this um, in this lawsuit and trying to push for this new amendment, which would basically invalidate the lawsuit. Um, and so behind the scenes, they're lobbying very hard for this as part of the Chamber of Comfort, Commerce in Illinois. And of course, by donating to the top four sponsors of the amendment. So while, you know, Facebook comes out and apologizes and said, you know, you own your data and all this other stuff. No, the behind the scenes, they are, they're trying to gobble up as much of your data as possible and weaken regulations wherever they can. So let me see if I can bring this home with a thought experiment and then we'll move on. So, Let's say we finally manage to regulate Facebook or they regulate themselves or whatever. Uh, they stop using all this data. They stop collecting this data. Uh, and now their revenue stream is severely impacted and their stock value plummets, their profit plummets. And Facebook says it's going out of business unless they can find some way to make money. Facebook will be gone. All your posts, all your likes, your friends your news, your messaging, everything you've posted over the last 10 or 15 years, all the people that you connect with through Facebook, gone. No longer available. Can't do it. Now, Facebook has one final plea. They say, you know what? If you guys are willing to pay for this service, if you guys will pay me money, we can keep this service going. 
Think about all the things you use Facebook for. What would you be willing to pay for that service if it was going away, if it was going to collapse, if you did not offer to pay a monthly payment, what would that payment be? What would you be willing to pay for all the services, the connectivity, the friends, the recipes, the news, all the things you get out of Facebook, all the pictures of family and grandkids and far-flung friends around the planet and people you haven't seen in years, all the wonderful things that Facebook gives you, what would you be willing to pay for that if, if it meant saving Facebook from going extinct? Well, that's what you should have been paying all along. That's how this should have worked. This should have been a service where you pay for the service. And instead of them trying to make money off of you and your data, collecting insane amounts of information about you, piecing it together to try to figure out what kind of ads you will most likely click on, and then selling that information to other people as well, all that stuff could have been avoided if we just paid for this service in the beginning. So whatever, whatever that number was in your head that you came up with saying, you know what, if it meant saving Facebook and allowing me to do all this stuff, this is what I would pay per month. That's how it should have worked all along. And you know what? Maybe that's exactly where we'll end up. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg did kind of hint that there may be a for pay f Facebook version at some point. Of course, that doesn't mean they won't necessarily quit taking all your data, but hopefully that's what that would mean. Hopefully that would be the point that you could have a quote unquote private Facebook where you just pay them directly instead of them having to get paid indirectly by selling you as their product. Anyway, so that's our little thought experiment on Facebook. So if you can, if you can stomach it and you are as upset about these privacy issues as I am, you know, maybe make a statement, go delete your Facebook account, maybe at least deactivate your Facebook account, which frankly doesn't do a whole lot, but other than sending them a message saying that you're dissatisfied. And if you can't manage to do all of that, if you just cannot cut that cord. If you cannot uh, be without that information, then at least go and make sure that you've got all your privacy settings set uh, as low as possible and you share as little as possible and you turn off as much data sharing with other applications and other third parties as you can. There's a lot of different settings. Supposedly they've simplified a lot of them, um, but I encourage you at least to go look and dig through that and do your best to dial that way down. All right, one last thing before we wrap up this week, uh, and that is talking about net neutrality. So we've talked about this several times before on the podcast, and we've actually lost a lot of ground in this battle. Uh, in particular, the FCC under Chairman Ajit Pai uh, late last year, ignoring huge public outcry, uh, trying to save net neutrality completely gutted the regulations that would have preserved net, net neutrality. Um, and that was passed very, uh, toward the end of last year. So let's talk a little bit about net neutrality just to, re just to refresh your memory, just in case you've forgotten. So net neutrality, the, the idea of net neutrality is that we keep the internet a level playing field, which is to say that we don't allow, for instance, internet service providers to charge companies or you more for certain services than for others. Uh, kind of putting their thumb on the scales, basically. So, for example, what Comcast may want to do is they may want to charge Netflix more money uh, to have access to their network because Netflix accounts for a very large volume of traffic. And while that does make some sense, and they should not be treating Netflix any differently um, if, they, if they charge more for Netflix or, for example, if Comcast or Time Warner uh, now Spectrum or Verizon or AT&T have their own competing services. Often the way they do this is instead of charging more for the, the competitors, they charge nothing for their own. 
Um, it's called zero rating. And again, this is this is putting your thumbs on the scales. This, this is because you're charging differing amounts for different services, you are favoring one and hurting the other. And when you start doing things like this, that becomes the people who can pay that can play. And therefore, competition is stifled. If a new Netflix, a new upstart company wants to come out and challenge Netflix or challenge one of these or Google or Facebook or one of these other companies, if uh, it, it, if they come along, they will not be able to afford to pay these ISPs to gain the same level of access. And that is going to basically mean they can't compete. There's lots of other aspects to it. But again, I just wanted to remind you that net neutrality is a very good thing. Um, there's a lot of really confusing arguments being put out by the FCC about about what net, net neutrality is. And, you know, they'll claim that, oh, we've always had this. We never needed regulation before. So why do we need it now? Uh, when things started up, everybody was on an equal playing field because there were no incumbents. There were the Facebooks and Googles and Netflixes and Amazons and all these other companies that have gotten big now. Um, there were there was healthy competition. There used to be a MySpace. There was a Friendster. There, there there was there was competition in a lot of these areas, and some of these other companies won out. But if new companies want to come along now that we do have these massive established incumbents that have deep deep pockets that could pay to have their services preferred over any others. When someone else comes along to try to challenge that, they won't be able to. Honestly, what we really need to do is we need to remove all the conflicts of interest. There's, you know, the the internet service provider companies should just be pipes. They should just be about carrying data. It, they shouldn't be about content because that really just muddies the waters. It sets up horrible conflicts of interest. Honestly, I think that the internet is so, so important that it almost needs to be treated like a utility. Uh, I'd almost go so far as to say that it should be, I hate to say it, run by run by a government or run by some sort of organization like, you know, power utilities and things that are heavily regulated because it's necessary. It's, it's an infrastructure. It's a national security thing. It's no longer uh, a luxury. But anyway, short of that, we at least need net, net neutrality. Now, there's still room for hope. Uh, first of all, um, a lot of states are now picking up the challenge and passing their own state-level net neutrality laws. Uh, Oregon became the second uh, state last week to pass a net neutrality law. I think Washington was the first. Washington State was the first. Uh, and in California, there's a really good net neutrality law being uh, pushed. Uh, I believe it's SB 822. So, you know, states are basically trying to pick up the slack Um uh, for, for this, but of course that makes it all piecemeal and that makes it really kind of hard for companies to comply with, you know, all these different regulations. What we really need is a federal regulation on this. So when the FCC overturned the regulations that were put in place under the Obama administration late last year, there is an obscure Senate rule called the Congressional Review Act or a CRA that basically says if you can get a majority of senators to get together and oppose the changes then they will be nullified. So I know there's a lot of negatives and double and triple negatives in here, but the FCC voted to repeal regulations that would have preserved net neutrality late last year. The 60, there's 60 days for the CRA process to happen. And the, the deadline for those 60 days is April 23rd. That is very close. So, we need a simple majority in the Senate to overturn this. 
we have 50 out of 50 senators, all 49 Democrats and one Republican, Susan Collins of Maine, have said that they will vote using the CRA process to block these FCC changes, which would, in effect, allow the existing rules to be maintained and preserve net neutrality. We need one more vote. Just one. So, my tip of the week for you, again, is to call your representatives. In this case, if you've got a Republican senator in your state, contact them loudly and often and get your friends to do the same, saying that you support net neutrality, they should too, and if they don't support it, you will not vote for them in the next election. Make it clear that this is a serious issue and that you care about it. If you happen to live in Alaska, uh, your senator, Lisa Murkowski, has often stated that she supports the ideas of net neutrality, but she has not come out in favor of the CRA process. Uh, so she would be a very key vote to get and probably one of the easier senators to convince. So if you happen to live in Alaska, uh, absolutely reach out to uh, Ms. Murkowski uh, and register your support for the CRA process to save net neutrality. So if you'd like to contact your Republican senators, uh, go to the website called battleforthenet.com, just like it sounds, battleforthenet.com. There are plenty of other places you could go. The Electronic Frontier Foundation, of course, has got some information on this as well. But if you go to Battle for the Net, um, you'll come up on the main page and it'll immediately tell you, you know, which senators uh, we need to lean on and and give you um, all the tools you need, phone, email, Uh, and so on, to reach out to those uh, senators and voice your support for net neutrality and tell them to use the CRA process to block these FCC rules and preserve net neutrality. So please, asking you to get out there if you believe in these sorts of things to make your voice heard and and bring three others with you. All right? That's going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you so much. I'll see you again next week. I'm trying to get a really cool interview lined up for you next week. I hope that will come through. Uh, Regardless, we'll be back with all the, the latest news, and I'll let you know what you need to know to stay safe out there. And so, until next week, as always, do not get caught with your garbage. Take care.